This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you pay in stores. To learn more, visit casper.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Why are you laughing? Oh, I heard the squawk, squawk, squawk of seabirds. <laughs> they're probably fighting over a dead rat. Yeah, good for them. They're they're real they're real nice yeah. seagulls. They'll really eat anything. I saw, I saw an infographic about uh, possums the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it said it's basically said in that hey, you know what? Be nice to possums. Because yeah, they have they, a lot of eat, disadvantages. W- that's that's true. We, we are privileged. We should mm-hmm. be aware of that. And they are, uh, they are blind and have rat tails, and nobody likes their face. Well, let's be honest. They're they're monsters. Um, <laughs> they're they're terrifying. But apparently, turns out, according to this infographic I found on Tumblr, which is never wrong, right? Uh, a, a possum, an opossum, is an animal that will eat lots of nuisance animals. I see. Uh, it can eat ticks, and yet, turns out, it is immune to Lyme disease. Hmm. It's like uh, it's like America's little garbage man. How do you survive on a diet of ticks? <laughs> I well, I think they eat lots of different. I could find the infographic if you want. I, I think that's just part of their uh, of their menu. Here's an interesting fact about possums. Mm. I may have told you this already, but possums, cats will accept possums, and possums accept cats as like co. Habitators, like a cat, and I have seen this with my mine own eyes. Mm. A possum will enter a yard where there is previously a cat, and the cat will just sit and lick its paws. Is that right? And the possum will just walk right on by, and the cat's just licking its paws. And you're and you're thinking, do your job, sir. Yeah, I'm like, hello, cat. Here is vermin. Yeah, and the cat says, no, this is my brethren, mm. the possum, the 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 humble possum. I consider a friend. John, are there other kinds of pairings like this in nature? Are there situations in the biome where two seemingly incompatible creatures can find some kind of common cause? I feel like uh, whale sharks and remora, mm. right? A remora will just attach itself to a whale shark. When, you know, when we were making it's our... A, it's in nature's in-app purchase. <laughs> That's right, exactly. When we were making our eel analogy... You know, I was thinking of uh, this the sort of leech-like quality of certain kinds of eels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and primarily remora, but I didn't want to confuse people. Eel is much better. No, I think that's clear. It's like flammable and inflammable. Yeah, that's right. They both mean the same thing. That's a, that's a really unfortunate, uh, confusing thing. It is confusing. Well, it's like, um, it's like regardless and irregardless. Uh, is that a word? I, I like that as a word. I don't think it's a word. Irregardless? Yeah. No, I'm afraid it's not. What about braggadocious? Is that a word? Absolutely. Braggadocious? And braggadocio. Uh, I know braggadocio. Yeah. Nah, mama. It's a spicy meatball. <laughs> braggadocious is something uh, that rhymes with supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Oh, man. You, ha- you know what you have? You have great flow. Uh, word. Something I've always admired about you. Well, well, your clothes I'm John look Roderick. fresh. I wonder where you got them. Hmm. Polyester pants with the big bell bottoms. Big brim hat that makes me want to holler. A monkey plaid jacket with a 20-foot collar. Damn. Oh, whoa, no, don't step Ooh. on my toe with the platform shoes from the flashback store. 
You make good money, so I don't understand why I dress like a shop out of garbage can. Damn. I get stupid. You... <laughs> I shoot an arrow like Cupid. I use Uh-oh. a word that don't mean nothing, like looped it. Oh, looped it. I'll say under what you like in case you missed it. I'm the one that said just grab them in the biscuits. <laughs> Give him the gas face. <laughs> <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> gas face. <laughs> I was a little late today. Oh. <laughs> you had your reasons. I went to a lunch. The date terrible the other day. thing in life is that every man has his reasons. Everybody has his reasons. I went to a lunch the other day. Oh, there's my bride. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Um, The super tanker pulls in (laughs) A nefarious White train pulls out I I went to a lunch the other day And I I was there on time And I got out of my car and I was like On time Charlie Look at me I'm going to go in there and get a table And wait for these other suckers to roll in A lot of people say there's no such thing as being on time You're only early or late Well so that's right Exactly. Although I was, I felt like I was precisely on time. And I walk in, and here are these two uh, uh, M fuckers, mm. if you will, who are uh, sitting there at the table already. And I walk over, and I'm like, "What's up?" Prompt. And uh, the one guy whose uh, name is Derek Fidesco, and he's the bass player of uh, the uh, Murder City Devils. And of Pretty Girls Make Great. Oh, so you're in talks. And now of the uh, now of the cave singers. There's going to be internet chatter about this. Are you in talks? Oh, just talking. Just, oh, just, 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 just talking. Yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, being late is bullshit. Don't give me any of that late shit. Ooh, interesting. And I was like, whoa. Slow and your then, roll, Johnny. And then the other guy. Uh, that we were having a lunch with Brian Yeager, who's pretty, also a, pretty Rodericks make graves. Also a pretty rock and roll guitar player. Hmm? He says, "Oh yeah, late. Forget that. Don't be late. That's like the lamest thing." And I was like, "Okay, all right. Everybody, slow down." <laughs> this sounds like a more you know video. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then they both went back and forth a couple of times, realizing as realizing from my reaction that I was Lady McLaderson. They were like. I mean, you know, habitually, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. both like, man, people that are late, fuck those people. That's uncool. You got to be on time or early. Those Oof. are the only options. And I was like, shit, man, this this lunch is off to a whiz-bang start. Mm-hmm. Dressing me down. You need to, you need to um, maintain an expectation, you know? Mm. Don't you think? You mean, you're talking about like maintain other people's expectations of me. Mm-hmm. You got to manage that shit. Yeah, well, you know. Who's the songwriter at that lunch? That's my question. Mm-hmm. Right? Songwriter's late. Yeah. Songwriter's got deep thoughts to think. Cold day in hell when I start taking notes from a fucking bass player. Ah! Mm. Ow! I mean, I'll take notes like if I'm playing the bass. Sure. Somebody said to me, that I started doing uh, Snapchats. Oh, right. You're Snapchatting. How's that going? Well, I don't know. It's very confusing still. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's very confusing. <laughs> but, uh, but somebody uh, commented, because the thing is... People want to comment on your Snapchats, but the only place that they can do that is on Twitter. So the only communication I get about my Snapchats is on other social media platforms. That's confusing. That's like getting footnotes in a separate book. Exactly. That's precisement. <laughs> so like, people are watching my snaps, but they have no in-app capability to respond at all. What's the, all- what's the chat part mean? Uh, you can send another. You can send that person a snap. 
Hmm. I guess you can snap back to them. Oh, and that, that that that's regarded as a chat. I guess so. You're speak you're, you're speaking uh, visually. Yeah, but I don't want anybody throwing snaps at me. Mm-mm. Don't and at me. The, you can't you can't heart me. You can't reping me. You can't do anything. Huh. But I get I so I get tweets about the snaps, and somebody tweets me and says, "Your voice is a lot different on your snaps." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Is this a video?" Yeah, I'm doing videos on snaps. Oh, you're doing video snaps. All right. It's like Vine. I'm doing oh, Vines on snaps. I see. You snap your Vine. I, well, I'm Vine and snaps. You're Vine and the I'm snap. Doing. Yeah, yeah right. I'm not snapping any Vines because I haven't made Vines in a long time. You kidding me? Nobody's doing that anymore. Yeah. What are you making Vines about? Although what you, I still... What are, you, what are you, an internet comedian? Dial it down. I, I, still click on, I still click on links sometimes in Twitter that take me to Vines mm-hmm. um, because I follow a lot of people in black Twitter. Oh, is that right? And that's different from weird Twitter. Oh, very different. I mm-hmm. mean, there is some overlap of black Twitter and weird Twitter. Is there a Venn diagram? You get a little bit of overlap? Is, is, there, is there a live. weird black Twitter? You know, I'd, oh, there's a not a weird black Twitter. Oh, you're talking about, yes, there is a weird, well, I don't know. I think, I think weird Twitter, there are black Twitterers who, who work within weird Twitter. Mm. And I don't think there's enough of that that there's actually like weird black Twitter. Weird lives matter. But I do feel that from Black Twitter, I get sent to Vines. Oh, yeah. The, uh, hashtags and Vines. Yeah. A lot, a lot, lot, that's where I'm seeing Vines. I get, the, I get the feeling a lot of the um, sen- hashtags made out of sentences are a Black Twitter thing. Is that right? I don't see. Th- I see hashtags out of sentences. Yeah, you're like, oh, you know you're eating at McDonald's when well. five ways to end a bris or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, get, you get these. I see those in the trending, and I'm like, uh-huh. I I uh, I feel like well there are a couple of black twitters let's be honest okay. there are like right. fifteen black twitters and I don't really get I'm not into the like hashtag sentences world and if I see somebody that's hashtag sentencing me a lot in any Twitter world mm. I generally move away from them towards someone else I've noticed in my Twitter feed though lately mm. I can't believe we're sitting here talking already this long about Twitter but uh, any more nine out of ten tweets in my feed are links. Right. Links to elsewhere. You know, like, here's a thing I saw. Take a look at this. Here's a thing I wrote. Here's a blah, 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 blah. Linkity links. Hmm. And I'm like, where, you know, and then I'll see somebody who's just using Twitter the way we used to do, which is like, here's a tweet I made. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what a refreshing breath of fresh air. I miss that. I, I, miss, I miss bespoke Twitter. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is a person who is still making tweets, not linking to something, not using it as a you know, some diabolical clearinghouse. But, but they, just, they, they treat it like the last row of desks in a fifth grade class, which is what it should be. Wow. The last row of desks in a first fifth grade class. Mm-hmm. That's a great Morrissey song. I really love your flow. Thank that, you, man. You were just like... Don't call it a comeback. The last row of desks in a fifth grade class. That's what Twitter is. To my ass. Sitting here joking while I'm on my ass. I got lots of boogers and gum under my desk. Wiki, 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 so wiki, few wiki, things wiki, rhyme with desk. Flow, flow, flow. I got the rap flow. I got the flow. Rap, rap, flow, flow, flow. Bomb the bass. I, uh, and so you got a Snapchat. And I got a Snaps, right. And somebody says, uh, my voice sounds different. And I said, you know, of course, because I can't let a comment like that go by. Yeah. I say, in exactly what way does my voice sound different on the one media versus the other? Well, apparently my voice on the podcast is deeper and fuller and richer. Mm. 
Whereas on the snaps, which where, where my voice is being transmitted through the tiniest microphone ever made in history, uh, my voice sounds thinner. And I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go like 15 tweets deep into this. But I'm like, yes, I'm yeah. speaking into a professional microphone on the podcast, going into a professional a- a- analog to digital converter. Oh. Where I was on a Snapchat. Right. I'm not, to, you know. Just D- digital all the way down. Yeah. When I hear my voice, like when I'm making a video of my daughter, I, uh, I actually talk faster in real life, which seems improbable. Mm-hmm. And I sound like mm, a four-year-old trying to play uh, like a Charlie Parker solo. <laughs> on a, like, on what? On your nose? Well, well, that was that's one of those things you can't unhear. I want to say Philip Larkin. I forget who it was, but somebody who was a, a, a critic of jazz says uh, every Charlie Parker riff sounds like the Woody Woodpecker song. Salt peanut, salt peanut. I think that's strange because I thought the whole deal with all this social nonsense was it's all about the commenting. I, well, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, are I, you enjoying I, it? Are you enjoying the change? Are you just snapping your chats? It's interesting that uh, snapping chats has inspired me to a different style, something I would not have done on Vine, which is just little, you know, I'm just walking along and I throw up the Snapchat and I go, a bok bok bok, a duka duka da, whack a da da loo loo beep bump. And <laughs> your voice like, sounds so different. <laughs> I know, and and I don't know. He why. sounds so much more like interstit- interstitial woodwind music. <laughs> I, I sound like that guy that I was in that band with briefly, who played the flute and also talked into the flute as he went by. Oh my God. He was scatting, not talking. He was just like, oh, I, don't think, I don't think I'd like that at all. It's like, but like not like a Thelonious monk like groaning along, but like it's part of the tune, like he's doing a Tuvan flute singing. He's a scatter. He's jazz scatting. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it over the top of a flute, so all of the Oof. scatting also has like a accompaniment Oof. and then he'll then he'll do some to some flute riffing it's very jazz oh sure you know jazz flute oh yeah what are you gonna do what is that is that jean-luc ponty mm. isn't, isn't he the jazz flute guy i'll have to look mm. that up mm. that's, that's my file card on jazz flute i think it's i want to say it's jean jean-luc luke uh, ponty ponty is he is he a flutist? Ponty? Isn't he the person? Oh no, who he plays said, the fiddle. He plays the fiddle. Oh, the fiddle, and he whistles into it. <laughs> Tell me, do you arrange? I, I'm asking this question. And I know the answer already. Yes. Do you arrange the keys on your keychain into a system? Absolutely. And how many keys are on your keychain right now? Exactly two. Yep, yep, yep. What? Yep, yep, yep. Exactly two. <laughs> Telephone, telephone. Cheeseburger, bang, bang. Telephone, telephone. Yep, 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 I have a lot of keys on my ring right now, and I, as you can imagine, arrange them, but they somehow have become unarranged. And it's because I gave, you know, I took a couple of keys off to give to somebody while I was on, I was away. And then another key had to go off and then back on. And now 
every time I come to a door, Ugh. I stand there like a fucking ape. It's like starting over. Yeah, it's like it's like you handed it's like you handed five cue balls to an ape mm. and asked him to play snooker. Oh, that's rough. Right? Yeah. Where it's like, what the and I'm I'm standing there, people. He's, he's, are, he's used to playing an eight ball. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know from right. snooker. 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 It's like a little table. He drinks some little ale. Table with the little pot, little pylons. Watch some cricket. He got, got got five cue balls. So I'm there. I'm standing. I'm flipping through keys. People well, that, are piling up behind this is, me. This is no way to live, John. But but now I'm kind of now I've, I've, I've I'm all screwed up. I'm baffled by the keys I have. I don't know how to arrange them anymore. I've been I've been like. I feel like left behind. Everybody else is being raptured, and I'm oh, standing here geez. trying to find the fucking keys to the door. Oh, what a miserable feeling. Ugh. Yeah, I... Uh, <clears throat> you have two keys, so that's not... You can't really call that a system. It's a system. Oh, it's a system, buddy. I have, an, an, I have a nice, strong... I don't know what you call that ring. What do you call that ring with the, with the overlap? What, a keychain. What do you call yeah, that? There's right. got to be a key... name. There's got to be a term of art for that. Key ring. Is there yeah, but another... It's, well, there's no, it's not the kind with a clasp... It's the kind that's got the little. You put your thumbnail under there, and you open it up a little bit, and then you right. turn it and turn it and turn it. It's, and it's, and it's a lot thickness. like here, here's a here's a life hack. I think uh, putting keys on a keychain is a lot like backing up a truck with a trailer. Mm-hmm. You just have to tell your mind to do the opposite of what you think you should do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you ever had that advice with backing sure. up a trailer? Well, yeah, right. I mean, it's like um, grab grab the bottom of the wheel and do everything backwards. And it's you'll like be fine. if you're in a canoe mm-hmm. and you're in an eddy, you're you're becalmed. Yeah, in an eddy, but you're going to enter the str- you're going to enter this the river the stream again from the side. You're going to go into the river, mm. but you're in the river already. But you're in a you're becalmed. Mm. You're in an you're eddy you're eddied, you're, and you're going to head in because the thing is you don't want to you're not it's not a it's not a thing where you can just ju- gradually join the flow of the river. You have to you have to go straight in from the side, huh? And if you lean up river, which every cell in your body is telling you to do, because you're going from calm to rapid, everything tells you lean up river. If that happens, if you do that, you're going to flip that canoe. Mm. And the last thing you think to do, the last thing you want to do is lean down river when you enter into a river that way from the side. Uh-huh. The, not what you want to do. Not only lean down river, but like stretch your oar out as far as you can down river and pull. Huh. That is not what your body wants to do. It's but counterintuitive. That, it's a it's a it's a canoeing turns out. That's right. That's where that's how you're gonna survive that move. <sighs> I, bet, there, I have, bet there's a lot of, there's a lot of things like this. Mm, I bet there is. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things where you should uh, not listen to your instincts. Yeah, it's like a it's like a possum and a cat. Mm, it's, a, it's a lot like a possum and a cat. You, you've got to learn that sometimes sometimes your instincts are not just wrong; they're the opposite, and then you you have to learn that's expertise. You learn that. That's right. That that's the opposite. Yeah, like like saying uh, when's the baby due? Ne- never say that. Don't say when's the baby due. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> I've done. I've done it. I did it. I did it. I did it. I, I, I this is not a bit. I, I actually I have done that, and what, now what I don't. Now I don't say that. What happened? She said, oh. what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I don't, I'm not having a baby. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's no, that's no good. Uh, Her, Her, Herbie, Herbie Mann is a well-known jazz flautist. Herbie I'm Mann. At the, I'm, look at the Wikipedia page. I'm trying to find if there's a name for, for scatting while you play flute. 
Didn't Herbie Mann do the? Didn't he do all the music for Miami Vice? Or oh. did he? Did he do uh, Rocket? Don't stop it. Okay, you just you just conflated three things in the most amazing way. Michael Mann uh, directed mm-hmm. Miami Vice. Um, uh, the guy the guy from uh, that Jeff Beck thing. Uh, Jan Hammer did the music. Yeah, I see Jan Hammer. And then Herbie Hancock did uh, Rocket. Oh, Rocket. Don't stop it. Uh, right. Telephone. Um, telephone. <laughs> telephone. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I, uh, I feel like the music mm. of Jan Hammer, mm-hmm. uh, it, it holds up. Uh, I had that record with him and Jeff Beck. <laughs> Trying to think, what is he, what is, what, what am I thinking of? Oh, you know, it was great. It was, uh, uh, was it him and Neil Schoen? <gasps> Lies, it, uh, no more lies. Said Hager, Schoen, Aronson, Aronson. Was it HSAS? Yes. What was what was the one? Jan Hammer and Neil. I think they didn't. They do an album together, and they're in a cage, and he's playing like a guitar. Schoen and Hammer. Lies, lies, no more lies. Is that the, no is that the? Am I, am I thinking of is that SHSAS? Lies, lies, lies. Yeah, you're gonna get you. A oh lot. no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here to stay by Schoen and Hammer with the hit song "No More Lies." You'll notice that lies were a big theme in 80s pop. Oh, sing it, sister. What, what is that song by Berlin? Oh, no, no, uh, uh, not Berlin. Um, uh, Missing Persons. They had a song about lies. Doo, doo, doo. They had The Walking in L.A. They had, um, they were a good band. Missing Persons? Missing Persons were a good band. They suffered from 80s production, which I know we're not going to get into. It's one of the things we don't talk about. Oh. But they were great. They were Lil's Frank Zappa's band. Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, Dale Bazio. Dale Bazio. You I've got told the, you the Dale Bazio story. No, I, I remembered if you told me. Tell me again. No more <laughs> lies. Um, well, didn't I ever tell you about the time that I met Dale Bazio? For the sake of argument, no. Tell me. When, when did you, did you, you, are you telling me you met Dale Bazio? Not only. Oh, wait, you saw her on the street. Yeah. Yes. I saw and her and she street. wanted you to come to the show? Was that yeah, it? Yeah, I saw her on the street. I was reading, I was riding a, a bicycle, right. which is not a thing I always do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm riding along, and here's this, uh, this tiny little creature with, you know, sort of flamboyant hair, pink uh, and blonde hair. And this was before everybody was wearing pink hair, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It was like and her I, and Cindy Lauper. That's it. I ride past her. And I just, it's not a thing that I normally, I don't, I'm not walking around carrying Dale Bazio's name in my head. Mm-mm. I get I, Dale, and, uh, Dale and Terry. It's confusing because, is it Terry? Dale. Terry? Dale. Uh, you're talking about the two chipmunks? Yeah, I think yeah, I am. Ter- Terry and Dale? Well, no, they were married, ter- right? Ter- Terry Bazio was the drummer in Zappa's band. Okay. He's the, he's the famous drummer that's like. Look at that every- set. Look at his set. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, everybody says, oh, Terry Bazio. Hoo, hoo, hoo. And oh then goodness. Dale, this is, this is uh, John. This is he has five bass, he has five <laughs> kick drums. Go go watch go watch right uh, not right now but go watch soon uh, some videos of uh, early missing persons because it's really one of those things where yeah the drummer, the husband of the uh, lead singer, the drummer really does believe that he is the featured player. Yeah. And um, and well, he's he really overcompensating, John. I'm, he's got one, two, three. Four, he's got at least eight hi hats. Yeah. In this photo, I'm looking at, he's got all these crash symbols up over his head. He's got more drums than than any three normal people. Yeah, he's got a lot of drums, and he's and he's, he plays them all. Mm. 
He's famous for it. That's Terry Bozio. Uh, but, you know, Dale Bozio and uh, there were there were quite a few sort of punky new wave uh, female lead performers. I think you got you. I think a lot of the tone was set by Wendy O. Williams. And uh, that was exactly what I was about to say. Sorry. No, no, no. You, 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 it's another example of your and my mind meld. Mm. That video where Wendy O. Williams is riding on top of a semi truck and they crash through a wall of television sets. Oh, uh, yeah. Where she is, where she has electrical tape over her nipples. I do remember that. Yes, boy, that really made a lasting impression. I imprinted on that, and uh, and you know you combine combine that with some eurythmics and some missing persons, and you really have a new. There was a new model. Mm-hmm. This was not something that you know. None of these uh, performers were going to be. They weren't former Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, if you know what I'm saying. I totally know what you're saying. Yeah, they were for they were new cut, a new cut of cloth. Mm. And uh, it, it made a it made a definite and lasting impression on me. The hair thing was important. You True. had um, you had like for example, you had uh, what's her name, Alana from Thompson Twins. She had uh, she had the funny hair and a funny and, hat. Oh, that hat was so awful! I could not get <clears throat> Alana. I could not follow well, Alana Miles. I think. Yeah, that was not that was not my jam. Mm-mm. But Bananarama mm. had amazing hair. God, I love me some Bananarama. Um, and uh, there was obviously like one member of Bananarama, just as there was one member of TLC that I really fixated on. Yeah, I think this almost always because it's kind of the uh, Dennis DeYoung problem or, or the Peter Cetera problem where you get this one person who kind of uh, or maybe the Beyonce problem canonically where there's one person who kind of becomes the front person. This happened with the, the guy Thor from the band Thor. The, the, you get the person who becomes the front person. Everybody else is like, hey, what about me? You know, I'm Tommy Shaw. I saved this fucking band. Yeah. You hey, know? what about me? I'm uh, I'm Tommy Shaw. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm uh, I'm uh, the I'm the I'm the drummer from Sticks. I'm I'm crazy on the cocaine. What about me? I'm dressed like a sailor. Yeah. Right. Get this guy over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where's my soup? Here's the thing about Tommy Shaw. I never liked his face. <clears throat> yeah. He had uh, there. Were, yeah. The '80s were were a problem. His 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 hair and his face did not match his body. And did not benefit from a white jumpsuit. Okay. That band had sartorial problems. I mean, Paradise Theater, I think they finally decided they were going to wear funny outfits. Paradise. Fucking the paradise. You got Dennis DeYoung. He looks kind of like a, like somebody who works on a midway. (laughs) You got, got, what is it? John and Chuck Pinozo? Oh, John and Chuck. I forget to pay the electric bill, but I know these names. (laughs) And so you got him, you got the the, the coked up drinky drummer. God bless him. God rest his soul. Right, and he's wearing like uh, he's he's dressed like Commodore Schmidlap with short pants. Schmidlap and short pants. Schmidlap. <laughs> I know, I know, it's serious. <laughs> then you got you got uh, his brother playing the bass, the laconic uh, bass player in a tie. Sure, then the tie that was the one, and it was probably a leather tie, right? Skinny red leather might, tie. Might have been a leather tie. He usually looked sort pretty of, sharp. Uh, sort of a Billy Joel. Billy Joel pioneered the skinny red leather tie. Am I right? Yeah, what about a pair of old tab collars? Welcome back to the page of Josh. (laughs) 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 This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. To learn more right now, visit casper.com slash supertrain. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you'll find in stores. Now, here's the thing. A Casper mattress, it's a beautiful thing. It provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. Casper's mattress is a one-of-a-kind. It's a, a new kind of hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam 
These two technologies come together for a terrific night's sleep. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Retail mattresses, you go out to a store anywhere, you're going to find they cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses, oh, buddy, shockingly, shockingly affordable. Prices start at $500 for a twin, $750 for a full, $850 for queen, $950. I say blow it out. Get yourself a king-size mattress for under $1,000. And of course, all Casper mattresses are made in America. To understand how Casper is different, you have to look at how the mattress racket works. It's an industry that has inherently forced consumers into paying notoriously high prices. And Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to you, the consumer. Casper understands that buying a mattress online can leave you wondering how this is even possible. Not to worry. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper gives you free delivery and returns within a 100-night period. You just try it out and see what you think. It's that simple. Here's the thing. You can't just go in a store and lie on a bed for four minutes and decide if that's how you want to spend a third of your life. And that's why Casper has turned the buying process into a risk-free experience. Here's the thing. I just checked this morning. We have had and slept on our Casper mattress for one year, 11 months, and 17 days. Don't be creepy. That's just under two years. According to the internet, that means I've had over 5,000 wonderful hours of sleep. No matter where I travel, I'm always so happy to get back to my house and to my beautiful Casper mattress. It's the best mattress I've ever had, and I hope you'll give these folks a try, too. It's the best. And here's the thing. Listeners of Roderick on the line can get $50 toward any mattress by visiting casper.com slash supertrain and using the very special offer code supertrain. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for all the great night's sleep and for supporting Roderick on the line. <laughs> I, Did you I, just give Billy Joel the gas face? I gave him the... <laughs> JY was tall. I remember JY was tall and had really, really unfortunate hair. Oh, that hair. That hair looked like. Do you remember, do you remember the, the remember the loaf of bread that had butter in the top? Sure, you got a split top butter top bread. Split top butter top bread. Totally remember that. Butter top. What was that stuff called? It was uh, Hidden Belly Ranch. No, uh, it's butter, uh, butter top. Butter, butter it cleft. Was, um, it was vagina top. Cle- bread. Cleft. Cl- yes. Camel, camel yes. bread. Camel toe. Uh, it, it, and his hair looked like that, and then a set of curtains. <laughs> it's so, so true, <laughs> right? If you put a if you put a split top loaf of bread on top of yep. a, a top of a car that had curtains in the windows, and who's going to do that, really? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And then if I remember, and I'm just I'm trying to remember here, I feel like then Tommy Shaw had like a white jumpsuit, and and he was like Robin yeah. Zander sized. He was like a little guy. Yeah, yeah, he's only five two or something. Mm-hmm. Did you know that this exact thing happened to the Posies? Our good friends, what, the Posies. Which, which exact thing? Well, uh, not the jumpsuit or the muffin top bread. Okay. But the Posies signed, and the Posies, to the, for those who are not familiar, oh my gosh, were a uh, a band with two co lead singers, two and co songwriters. songwriters, and and both. Uh, I mean, we kid, but my goodness, I love the Posies so much. Yeah, I know you did. I yeah, well, did. I mean, like for for me, like I was still taping stuff off the radio into the nineties, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I remember catching my big mouth. I know I told you this before, but hearing my big mouth on the radio, and like I was just blown away. The reason we talk so much about the Posies on this program is that without the Posies, there would be no John and Merlin. Mm. Oh my gosh, this is true. Oh my goodness, so it's, a, it's that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow movie with the subway. 
Same, right? same thing. Oh my goodness, you're right. There a would butterfly be flaps its wings in China. Yeah, right. And then and pretty soon it's butterflies all the way down. That's right. And oh then my you are in Oakland watching a Ken Stringfellow show that nobody else attended. You know, I met uh, Scott Miller friends. that night. Did I ever mention that? Yes, you did. Yeah. In any case, mm. the, when uh, the Posies signed to a major label... They the signed major, to Warner Brothers. Let's call it Warner Brothers. The, uh, for the sake of argument, let's call it Borner Brothers. Bo- mm. uh, they decided that John Auer was well-suited to be the front man. And they pushed him forward in all the uh, band photos. Really? At that time, how's, how does one say... Uh, he was a little more lithe, mm-hmm. and he had kind of like uh, sort of handsome, handsome boy good looks. Oh, he was good looking. And Ken, Ken uh, looked a little bit like a bottle opener. Ken was awkward, yeah, and had sort of a praying mantis that had been dipped in some frosting vibe. If you took a praying mantis and dipped it in frosting. So that's how they got that title, uh, Praying Mantis on the Beater. <laughs> the the uh, praying mantis would not be into it. No. The frosting would not be becoming on the praying mantis. And that and Ken was just like, wow. And so John Hour He's got he's also he's kind of got theater nerd written all over him. Oh, he does. He Do does. you think a little bit? Like John with his with his big like uh, wonder stuff hair, he kind of had that like, you know, indie rock vibe. Yeah. John seemed like a guy who had never had sex before, but mm-hmm. when when he did have sex, look out world. Oh goodness. Whereas, you know, whereas Ken, yeah, seemed like somebody who had had a lot of Sort of awkward sex in squats, maybe, or right. like locker rooms. I'm not sure. I can't. I I can't go back in time and reimagine the posies because it's all too threaded through the world. Right. But, but, but they, before he got his own sarcophagus, he was living in his mom's sarcophagus. That's right. That's right. That's right. Before he realized, before he became immune to sunlight and garlic. Yeah. He was, you know, and 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 if you look at them when they had Robert Smith hair. Mm-hmm, John mm-hmm. looks like Robert Smith. He does kind of, yeah. Ken looks like remember that weird a game where it was like a game that you would your parents would buy you if you were going on a long road trip where you could use a pen and magnetize use uh use the pen to draw on a character of a man. Oh yeah, the fuzzy little, guy with the metal shavings. Yeah, with the metal shavings. Sure. Ken looked like a skinny one of those. Interesting. Anyway, the cuz John Hour was uh was a great guitar player and also here's the the terrible part wrote the pop songs, wrote the hits. Ken wrote all the difficult material. Oh, interesting. So here's John. So Golden Slumbers, that's John. Slumbers fill my eyes. Smiles awake. Don't make me explain myself. I cannot go down the Posey's catalog and tell you who wrote what because they both sing on every song. And they sound so much the same. And then what's great is (laughs) I have a live recording of them in France doing Surrender. And it it seems obvious to me that they are going to try and outdo who can take it up a fifth, an octave, another fifth, (laughs) another octave. And they keep finding new impossible harmonies until it's utterly unlistenable. Yeah, yeah, well. And it's awesome. But so, this, so okay, so he's he's the rock guy. If you look at the pictures from that certain era, that initial uh, era, uh, John is so far in front of the other dudes. And the thing is, I'm sure when the photographer was taking the pictures, he was like, "Now, Ken, you step forward. You know, now Musburger, you step forward." But all of those other photos ended up in the garbage, and the only oh. ones the label wanted were the ones with our way forward, so far forward that the other guys are like blurry. 
And <laughs> oh the, no, that is not good for morale, right? And so, and so Ken was like, "But, but, but," like co-singer, co-songwriter, co-front person. They really share the duties on stage. But uh, during that era, and you know, as time went on, Ken became more of a, you know, of a living. Uh, he became more of a real boy. He became a little bit more of a real boy. And John, you know, suffered a little, some aging-related issues. Got some cats. But, um, but yeah, I, I think about that all the time when I think about this, this sort of who – I mean, because, yeah, I think it inspired a lot of unhealthy competition in those guys that already had a lot of competition motivating them. Because what are you going to – I mean, I would hate to be in a band where I wasn't the sex symbol. Luckily, I was always the sex symbol in every band I was in. That's true, but <clears throat> your band photos, mm, mm. they never really quite did you guys justice. But Come on, it, let's not talk about them. I'm so embarrassed by them. No, I, they, they weren't bad, but they didn't so really – No, but they just, they just didn't really do justice to the They're, vibe. I think my photos of you – Terrible. My photos of you guys, I think – the photo of you guys in Muni – Mm-hmm. Where I think you're making a face and, and Sean's staring off in the distance. I think that should be the band photo. You were a great photographer, Merlin, and you, you, uh, some of your photos I still turn to as, as <laughs> examples of how I wish to be represented. Uh, Mr. Roderick, uh, the photo you sent in, you're in a cape smoking a cigar pursued by police. Is that, a, is that an accident? Uh, no, I'd like that to be the photo that we use for every, all the promo. All right. Could you send us literally anything else? We, we did use that as promo for the I, I dealt with Barsook on that, and they were like, hey, we're going to use this, and they used it. Give me the high quality. So I, I gave them high quality. That was a fun no. night. Who do you think? That was a fun night. <clears throat> who, uh, when, when people listen to this podcast, yeah. I think there are people who think that I'm the sex symbol of this podcast, and there are people who think that you're the sex symbol. We are oh. the posies of podcasts. Oh, you think there's John people and Merlin people. Do you ever think, do you ever get communications from people where it's evident that they are like, I would like to sex you, Merlin? Um, I, I, uh, I used to get something more like that, but not really. No, I had about, a, I think I had a good 10 day period when I was about 20 and I didn't utilize it. And, uh, it's, oh, it's yeah. just been, it's been a rough road ever since. That, I swear to you, that picture of you in that Air Force, uh, fatigue jacket. Oh, the Henderson that, jacket. With that, with the Henderson jacket, which I still have. Uh, and the blonde mustache, where you're kind of crouching in a subway station, but you're looking up at the camera, mm-hmm. uh, and you look like uh, you look like the prince from the Princess Bride. Oh yeah, you see, I used to look like Carrie Always. People don't believe that. Yeah, I oh used to look God, a little like Carrie like Always and a little bit like Michael Palin. No, nobody would believe that now. You, you I'm a grotesquery now. Just exactly like him. And I uh, I think of that photo all the time. Like, oh Merlin. Really, oh, that's Merlin. like your that's like your picture of me. My picture of young Merlin before oh, sure. I met Merlin. <clears throat> when he's out there playing in Bacon Ray mm-hmm. and going to New York sometimes yeah. and wearing a Henderson jacket. Wearing the Henderson jacket. And I'm just like, whoo, you must have really... That's what I look like. I had I had pretty weird... I had like three different haircuts. Josea Bear would not like my hair. I had like three different haircuts. Yeah, I think of you... The thing is sometimes, like I've been pals with you for a while. I'd never seen you not wearing uh, jokey rock star glasses and with a beard. And then I saw when, I, when, when you first started sleeping at my house in your underwear and I'd see you without your glasses. You look so different without your glasses. And now yeah. I see photos of you as a kid without glasses and I think it's like the weirdest thing in the world. Do I look like myself as a kid? Um, not really, because as you know, you have a beard-shaped face. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. My uh, people say all the time about my daughter that she looks exactly like she me. Looks but so I say, much like, yeah, but she looks so much like better. She's just a little child and she's also a girl and I don't look like that anymore. I looked like that when I was a baby, but how do you see any resemblance? Oh, there's a huge resemblance. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. very flattering to me because I think that she's a beautiful little girl. She is beautiful. A little, little bit impatient in parades. Uh, she wants to get to the end of the parade sometimes. Oh, Three quarters brother. of the way through the parade, she's looking to the end of the parade. I, I see. It's like clowns, John. I, I think people misremember what was fun during childhood. Mm. I don't. I see. There, there are people who still hire clowns to do things or put their kids in proximity to clowns and act like there's anybody who's ever enjoyed a clown. You know, <laughs> same with parades. Like a parade is. I don't know. Has that ever been that fun for a kid? Even just to, even to be in a parade. Yeah. Let alone to sit on the. It's kind sidewalk of old timey. <clears throat> Some clowns rolled up on us. Is that right? And they came right up and they wanted to put a button on her. Oh, dear. And they wanted to talk to her. And she was like, <clears throat> I'm not having any clowns. Mm -mm. And then the one clown was like, come on, I'm a clown. <sighs> and she said, yeah, all right, you're a clown. Like, okay, I'm not, you know, like, I'm not scared. I'm not going to, like, recoil from you. I'm not going to cry. I wouldn't give you the, I wouldn't give you the cry. I'm just going to, she just eyeballed him. She just stared him down until the clowns like slowly backed away yeah and i said baby you know like clowns they're just trying to have fun they're just uh clowns just, just want to have fun <laughs> yeah it's just fun times you know they're just like joking and yeah. she's like i don't like clowns mm -mm. i was like oh wow you know yourself a lot better than i did when i was your age because at your age i felt obligated to like clowns oh uh, that was a different time you call people sir and you acted like yeah. you enjoyed clowns that's just yeah, what you did because adults were like Hey, this is the one day a year when we're going to look at you yeah. and say that it's time for you to have fun. And look what we did. We got a bunch of clowns. And so you better fucking enjoy it. Oh, yes. For it you, buddy. Like, it was like, okay. don't, don't be a dick. Uh, okay, I don't want them to touch me. Uh -huh. but okay. And I remember very distinctly going to a birthday party where there were clowns and, and it left a lasting negative impression. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to beat it to death, but I feel like if you're going to be a responsible clown college faculty member i think the first thing you have to teach first day you're sitting there in the in the multi-purpose room talking to all the future cl clowns i think the first thing you have to make clear is look as you may know or maybe you fucking don't know not everybody loves clowns <laughs> so it's like the hippocratic clown oath like number uh -huh. one do no harm fucking like gauge what the kid wants like do no harm because like the thing is if you were an, uh, any other adult imagine everything a clown does being done by a middle-aged man without makeup and it's horrifying Ugh. what makes what makes dressing like a fucking clown make that better oh, like don't it. get up in a kid's face and give him a balloon what are you no i don't want a balloon well you i get like 60 of them coming out of a white van <laughs> well i like that <laughs> my feeling about a clown is this all all clowns are only there to contextualize the sad clowns. Oh. I don't want any happy clowns. No. Except to frame the sad clowns. The few sad clowns are the only clowns that matter. And all the happy clowns are just, uh, are, you know, just the noise. And, uh, and the, it's the, um, it's like the soft focus or the, it's like the penthouse magazine lens oh. where you've got the Vaseline smeared around the lens so all you can see is the sad clown in the middle because mm. I'll because I'll interact with the sad clown all day oh I like a sad clown you know you, you, know. Get, you get into the classic clown you get the three kinds of clowns there's a lot of artfulness in that 
I, I, I like that. <laughs> three kinds, the three clowns you meet in heaven. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I clowning as a uh, as like a French art. Like, okay, fine, mm-hmm. that's cool. But there's a lot of French art. I think you shouldn't shouldn't uh, force onto preschool age kids. Point, pointillism is not going to be appreciated. They, they don't well, understand enough true. about light and contrast. That's true. I think that what kids want to see is knife throwing. Yeah. There's not a kid in the world that doesn't understand knife throwing. I think also uh, whip cracking. That's fun. I do like that. Physical, but I mean like physical, weird physical skills that could be extremely dangerous are uh, very hypnotic to a lot of kids. What was the last time you saw somebody get a pie in the face? Oh, like outside of like a TV show? Yeah, Uh, like an actual pie in the face right in front of you. And I'm not talking about some Harlem Globetrotters uh, uh, bucket of confetti. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about like... <laughs> Rip Taylor. <laughs> you know, the Harlem Globetrotters used to do that game. They'd act like they're throwing water on you. Like, oh, my God, here comes a big bucket of water. Oh, it's a sparkles. Mm. I, I, I can't, I, as I sit here right now, I'll, I'll be 50 in a few months. I can't tell you the last time I saw somebody hit with a pie. That wasn't a protest or like on a, on a comedy show. A pie in the face. Now, think about... Yeah. Think about if you and I resurrected the pie in the face. Now, I know this isn't your scene. Well, You're not I, like I'll, I want to hear you out. Well, I'm just saying everybody's you know in the particularly in this contemporary world where it's like how do how do you distinguish yourself in a world of millions and millions of people taking vines of themselves every day? Right. I mean, I, also Python. I think that'd be technically a macroaggression. It's a, it's absolutely a full on aggression. Yeah. Except it's an aggression featuring banana cream. That's true. Now, what if and the, the pie throwing big time. Uh, follows your your clown precept, which is do not throw a pie at somebody that you don't feel is ready to have a pie thrown at Mm-mm. them. They'll let you know. They'll let you know. They're like Some, uh, computer programmers and cats. Let them come to you. Uh, a woman said to me the other day, why is it that men feel like it's acceptable to play air drums at a woman and stare at them while they're doing it? Oh, was, making like a doo-doo face? Well, just, like, no, just like, you know, or like playing air bass when there's a song playing in the, in the, on the radio. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know. Men want to show off, and that's, that. it's, I mean, it's embarrassing. Yeah, they, they know all the parts. It's humiliating uh, when you really shine a light on it. But, you know, it seems, she was like, no, I think it's really sexually aggressive. Sexually aggressive to air drum at a lady. To don't air drum at a lady. And mm. I was like, I was like, see, I'm this is I'm totally learning, I'm learning things out of this conversation. Literally every day, I'm learning things. That there's a time when I would have thought that was totally appropriate, and now now I see that that that's probably not a nice thing to do. I guess not. A don't air don't air musician at somebody directly, um, and so banana cream pie. You've got one, let's say. Yeah. You look around the room. There are two criteria. Somebody has to deserve somehow a banana cream pie in the face, but also they have to be ready to take a banana cream pie. Can can they take it? And make sure you you pie up. Don't pie down. (laughs) You definitely, you want to pie up because if you pie down half the pie, you're going to lose half the pie. I mean, this is Arthur Arthur Kessler's whole theory of, uh, of, of creativity. You know, when when an old lady uh, slips on the ice, it's, uh, it's not funny, you know, but when, when, uh, when, you know, uh, like a, like a male presidential candidate falls on the ice, it's hilarious. You gotta because, find because the you're person, taking somebody down a peg. You gotta take the find the person that needs the pie, and then also know that that person's not going to be. You can't destroy somebody with a pie. But let's right. say we started banana cream pieing people. Okay, that's going to make the newspapers. That 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 would make the newspaper. So somebody should be pie eating, and they shouldn't they shouldn't mind it too much. Like if I took a pie in the face, yeah, 
let's say I'm just out there in the course of my daily life and somebody's like, hey, Roderick, and I turn around, poof, pie in the face. Banana cream everywhere. I feel like I would take that with pretty good grace. Hmm. Like, I take myself pretty seriously. I'm out in the world. But a pie in the face? Yeah. Kind of got to give it up for like that. Like, what if you were dressed up kind of fancy? Because then you got to explain why you got pie on you. I, I feel like it would depend. If I was dressed up fancy but had done something right in the immediate time and place that deserved a pie and then got a pie, uh huh. I'd have to say, like, you know, oh, you'd if, know that was the universe telling you something. I earned a pie right there. You earned the pie. Yeah, you were pie needing. If I'm just walking down the street being nice to people today and I get a pie for something I did four years ago, yeah, I don't, uh, that's not a pie. What if, I mean, a pie. what if it's a pie from a stranger? Does that change it? It would, you're talking about somebody that doesn't even know me that's just out like putting pies in people's yeah, it's face? Yeah, like, like that pavement song, Pie from a Stranger. Like ah. when that happens, um, when, you, when you get a, now is it going to hurt? It's like criticism. Like if it's coming from a friend, are you going to feel like you were more pie needing? Does, feel, it, does it matter? It, it seems to me like you're saying, you're saying just existentially, you got a pie coming today, be a good sport. Because inherent in the pie is a sense of the other person having a, feeling like you are capable of taking this pie with grace, right? There's a compliment inherent in getting hit with a pie. Oh, it's like getting roasted. That's exactly right. I get it now. So, so they are paying you the, they're paying you the hat tip of like, you deserve a pie, but you can take a pie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, sort of the kind of guy I aspire to be somebody who can take a pie. And I, I know a lot of people are like on the fence about whether or not that's true. Mm. Can Roderick take a pie? You or is he going to be like... You might, might be Barbara Streisanding yourself a little here. You, you, you well, you know, the, the Streisand effect. You, you don't want to make it... Uh, I uh, mean, are you opening the door? Are you saying, come at me? No, no, no. Don't fucking throw a pie at me, you sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. You, but, need, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> that's right. If somebody listening to this program is right now filling up a banana cream pie yeah. with banana cream... Put that shit in the refrigerator and leave it there. Don't put, a, don't put a pie at me. But I do want to, you know, like one day, let's say one time in your life, if you get a, if you get a pie, yeah, I'd, I'd put that right up there. I'd that's, say that that's uh, belongs on your Wikipedia page. Most men, I think most men have these fantasies about how, how they would do in a street fight. Like if they had to like defend someone's honor or like save a baby and they get all these fantasies about that. I yeah. think this is a much more evolved middle-aged version of that, which is, you know, let it begin with me. If, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm in, a, in a pine-needing uh, state of mind and I get a pie, I want to be a gentleman about it. That's right. I feel, I feel like every you're not, you're not single, press charges. every single man in the world who has thought about what they would do in the event of a street fight is wrong about what they would actually do. So you know, like, many ways. So you're many ways. not ever going to perform the way that you have multiply fantasized. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. That's right. And then you are... <laughs> Isn't that the quote? Yeah, that's... Uh, was that Mike Buzz Tyson. Aldrin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Infowars! Buzz Aldrin. He punched somebody, didn't he? He did. He Who'd he punch? Fucking dingling that was like, the moon landing was faked. Admit you're a liar. Punch. And he was like, get the fuck out of my face. And the guy was like, come, kept coming back at him. <laughs> Just like clocked him. Wow. So good. So good. Deserve, the guy really deserved it. He, he was, deserved he more a pie than needing. Mine. He's a pie-needing guy. I, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this, uh, this self-seriousness quite a bit, though, because somebody very close to me recently said that, uh, you know, that there, that the amount of bravado that I display in my public persona 
you know, the thing the the thing that that um, <laughs> you talked about this like two months ago. You're still thinking about this. Well, no, this is this is this is now a reinforcing comment. Okay, that said, you know, you don't reveal your insecurities in your public persona. It's it is you you are exactly yourself. The only thing missing that you don't reveal is the you know is your vulnerability. Hmm. And I was like. I reveal my vulnerability all the time. And they were like, ah. And I sat and thought about it. Well, and then I was like, well, why the fuck would you reveal your, your vulnerability to people? I, not to talk out of school, but the handful of times you and I have, uh, have come to words, that's been often the topic. Not, mm-hmm. not, not, not just you. Obviously, I have a role in this. Mm-hmm. But where you, would, you would say, hey, you know, I, I'm vulnerable here. I, I got feelings about this stuff too. And I would think, what are you talking about? You're John Roderick. You don't mm-hmm. have feelings about anything. Mm-hmm. And you would be uh, very hurt. Yeah. And I would go like, wow, I need to really keep that in mind. Well, and then I, so then I, I, I said, uh, uh, everybody's insecure, right? I mean, can you name a person that isn't insecure? Everybody's insecure. My, my security's fan. My, I, I, my security's fantastic. Everybody says so. Yours is, yeah. <laughs> believe me, believe me. Oh yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody thinks I, my hands are normal size. <laughs> Have you done the printout yet? <laughs> no. Oh god, it's so great. It's on a refrigerator. <clears throat> uh, Donald Trump uh, was cast uh, for a Madame Tussauds right. um, thing a few years, Rock like in the eighties, yeah. which I think has since been taken down. But somebody at a Madame Tussauds somewhere found an imprint of his hand, um, and then you can print it out at your home and see how you compare. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not interested. Oh, but this reminds me. Mine's mine's bigger. I'm sure it is. Well, everything about you is bigger. Everybody says so. <laughs> um, I had the most profound experience last night. Yeah. So, I held up my hands. I want you to do this right now. Don't look at them right now. I In, inside up, or outside? Outside the backs of your hands. Oh, that's gonna mean I'm gay, right? No. Remember that. <laughs> I don't, was the playground, you say, look at your nails. Yeah, they they pumped uh, 15 gallons of sperm out of my stomach. <laughs> and it was full of spider eggs. Um, but and a gerbil. Hold up your two hands. <laughs> Got them. You're looking at the backs of the hands. Got them. Now, is one bigger than the other? Um, I, the I, I, I can tell you with my feet, it's definitely true. My feet used to seem much more symmetrical. I'm not talking about your feet right now. I'm talking about look at your hands. Well, I mean, my fingers are different lengths, kind of. Yeah. Are, are one set of fingers fatter than the other set of fingers? Oh, not that I can tell. Do you have that? So my, so but I you, held you, up my you got broken fingers. I mean, that doesn't count. Well, this is why I held up my hand, because I was like, ah, this finger is broken, and it's a little bit fatter than the other finger. And I held it up, and I looked at my index fingers, and the, the one that was broken was, like, visibly fatter than the other finger. And I'm looking at him, and I've done this several times to compare the two index fingers. And then I looked at the middle finger, okay. and I was like, wait a minute. On the, on the broken finger hand, my middle finger is fatter. Than, and then I was like, <gasps> because all of the fingers on my right hand are fatter than the fingers on my left hand. But then, increasing the horror, yeah. the fingers on my left hand are longer than the fingers on my right hand. Oh, no. And then, uh, so looking at them longer... I realized that it is like I have an. It was like I had an arm replacement surgery because my left hand does not resemble my right hand in any way. Oh, that's they, so disturbing! You get like a monkey hand. They are completely different. Oh they, no! The uh, 
I mean, they're completely different. The, 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 the right hand, which is my dominant hand, the fingers are much larger, but the hand itself is slightly smaller <laughs> and is like a, uh, it's like a catcher's mitt. And the left hand is like a, a fucking spider. I can spread the fingers on the left hand wider than I can on the right hand. Like, they're utterly different tools. Oh, my God. And this has, you know, uh, as a guitar player, I have really struggled because my left hand has almost no dexterity and I can't train it to. You know, I've been working on getting my left hand fingers to even move reliably according to what my brain asks them to do. And they barely can. Hmm. You know, like if I'm drumming them on a table, like. That's as good as I can do. Okay. On the right hand. Oh, you're like Terry Bozio. I'm on the right hand. I'm fucking 24 Terry Bozios. Mm-hmm. I have so many hi hats on my right hand. I can't even keep it straight. You don't have to think about it. It's like it's like shooting Stuart Copeland's out of a confetti cannon. Mm. But my left hand, which I have to say now, looking at them side by side, the left hand is a much more elegant hand. Mm. The right hand is just like a meat claw. Do you, hmm. do, do, do you think it's big, partly because of the, of the length of the unusual length of the fingers on the hand? Perhaps, I, although I don't know if they're on. Maybe synaptically, it's taking a little bit longer. You're Looking, losing some signal. Well, maybe. I mean, the fingers are much more elegant. They're mm. thinner and more tapered. But looking at the two hands, I feel like the left hand is aesthetically much better than the right hand. The right hand is all like, like, I'm working. I got work to do. I do the writing. This, this doesn't do add the, up. I do all the stuff. I do, I do all the nose picking. I do everything except the butt wiping. Yeah. And uh, the left hand is like, sometimes I play guitar solos that are kind of ham-handed. <laughs> and the right hand's like, I'm the ham hand. And the left hand's like, yes, but I, yeah, I get to, I'm the featured player in one instance only, which is guitaring. You're just over there with the pick. I'm over here bending the note. Yeah, I'm the one that's going, and the right hand's like, God, if I could be the note bender hand, we'd be we'd be out of here. We'd, we'd be at John Mayer level. I'd be I'd be in I'd be in Bozeman, Montana, making people uncomfortable in a bar. Oh, uh, you got you got a uh, you got a John Hour on the left hand. You got a string, Ken Stringfellow on the right hand. Mm, other way around. Other way around. Yeah, but so <gasps> okay. Oh, now it's all in focus. Okay. So so I can't account for this. Mm-mm. Mostly, I cannot account for the fact that I have lived my entire life. Without noticing that the two hands don't even belong on the same person. And what am I meant to do with that? What am I meant to do with that information? Well, and and where does it end? Exactly. It's like like John Sirkisa says, it's evolutionary biology. And this this could be an adaptation. And who knows what you're adapting to? Maybe, maybe, yeah, I mean, I think the universe is trying to tell you something. Maybe the left hand is so much more elegant because it's going to be asked to interface with some kind of UFO technology when I'm promoted to anchorman oh right you put your left hand in the machine you shake it all about it turns out that's the one that actually controls the alien technology i don't know that's you're you're, you're like you're like cinderella so i mean what what else is different am i hemispherical is half of my (laughs) penis good and half of it is too too delicate to live i've felt that way a lot yeah but it doesn't though the sides are warring 
the warring sides? The, war, it's, the warring penis sides. You know, my left knee is the one that that I blew out and I have had surgery on. The right knee is now supporting my entire body in almost every activity. Well, this, is, this gets back to an old issue of mine, which is just the, the lack of symmetry. Where, where the millenniums don't understand. They don't understand they're not always going to be symmetrical. Oh, my God. My feet are different, too. My feet the, are so different. The right big toe is much bigger and shorter than the left big toe. What does this symbolize? See, that seems to be hemispherical. Uh, oh, no. Uh, some, a, good, a very good friend of mine uh, uh, wrote me a text this morning. Mm-hmm. She lives in uh, the Carolinas. In, the, in a mountain town in the Carolinas. And she said, I had a dream last night where you appeared to me and you were holding, you had in your front pocket a frog baby. Hmm. And the frog baby, when the frog baby was sort of half human, half frog, and when, you, when the baby was in human form, it was kind of a maladapted baby. But then when it went into frog form, it was a very, very elegant uh, frog baby. Oh, that's profound. And I was like, hmm. What? what? And so I wrote her back and was mean? like, how prophetic are your prophetic dreams? Do they tend to be fairly prophetic? Or are they, do they skew more to the metaphoric? Because obviously, right, frog baby in your front pocket is mm-hmm. a metaphor for something. Well, and especially, especially when it takes on a different form, uh, you know, qualitatively. Right. And she said, I had, uh, she said I had in my front pocket a habitat. And it was a frog baby habitat. And when oh. the baby was in the frog habitat in my pocket, right. it, uh, she was happy. And it was a female frog baby. Okay. She was happy in the frog baby habitat in my pocket. But when she was out of the habitat, she was just like, ugh, awkward, wouldn't make eye contact. Her oh. legs didn't work very well. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's about life. Yeah. And it's almost like you're a little bit like a, like a, like a, like a mommy kangaroo with a joey. Like you got you got a whole biome in your pocket, and that's where the frog baby's happy. The girl frog baby is happy when she comes out. She's got a deal. She's like a pubescent uh, baby has to come out and like deal with the world and wants, wants to be back in mom's pouch. Uh huh. Uh huh. And she, but she knew so. But it wasn't like she was seeing. She just it's one of those dream things where you like. And I knew that you had a habitat in your pocket for the uh, frog baby. I have to guess, right? Yeah. That she just that that it's not like she dove into the habitat and was exploring it. Mm-mm, that's for the frog. It's not for her. That's right. It's the frog's habitat. Oh, I, I like I like this a lot. And she she, she texted to, to share this with you. Yeah, right. All the way from the Carolinas, where it's like I don't know how she must have had somebody run the message downhill with an envelope and mm-hmm. then telegraph it. Yeah. But now I'm looking at my hands, and I'm thinking, frog baby? Is that me? Was I the frog baby? And it, uh, she, did she specify which pocket it was? I mean, I have to assume front pocket. So, but left, like, like, but probably your pocket. your uh, it's your your string fellow hand is the one that pulled the girl frog baby out. Oh sure, the the string the well no wait a minute I it's your I'm elegant not... your elegant left hand is what you would use to remove the frog frog baby from the habitat. No, I think you reach across. Oh. If you have something in your left pocket, you reach across with your right hand, like a cowboy. Okay, so yeah, so it'd be my John Hour hand reaching for frog baby. Oh, interesting, and yet your foot is bigger on one side than your hand on the other. No, they're the same. Oh, right so, side so there's dominant. consistency. The, the, the toe size is concomitant. Is it a lengthy toe or it's, maybe you made it sound like a wide, like a broad toe? I'm saying, I'm saying my right hand and my left, or my right hand and my right foot okay. suffer from the same uh, condition, which is they are, <laughs> they are bulkier yeah. and, uh, and like more working class. Yeah. 
And the left hand and the left foot are more, let's say, elegant and refined, more white Russian. Okay. Right? They were, they, after the Tsar was deposed, they escaped to Paris. Right. Uh, but now are somewhat useless. Because mm, of the thin blood. They have thin blood, right? And they keep, like, they keep hanging around uh, like the aristocratic class. Right. They, the they, they still got the connections country. to some extent. That's right. That's right. And they're invited there because they're an archduke of some kind. Right. But they don't have any money. <sighs> and so... And that's the, 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 that, yes, yes, I understand. So you get the ham-fisted right side, you get the elegant left side. The ham-fisted right side that basically owns some textile factories and is rich, rich, you know, rich, not aristocratic rich. Uh-huh. Well, but maybe even richer. You're, you know what it is? Your body's having a civil war. You got, you got the Scots-Irish over on the right side that uh, have the farms. Mm-hmm. And on the left side, you got the effete uh, New Englanders up here. That's right. From those... It's, it's brother against brother. It, it's, it's essentially like uh, from those who have the most to those who have the least... Right. Yes. The, the means of production right. are uh, are like being exploited by the left hand, and they're keeping the workers down. You have to throw yourself upon the gears. Yeah. I have no idea what good my left hand is. I know what good my left foot is because it is an alternate to the right foot. Which one's the bad knee? Left. Ah, oh, that's a shame. So, you know, so it just I just sort of hobble along like a like a slee stack. Yeah. But my left hand, what, what, what is I mean, if I fall to the left, I guess I use my left hand to brace. Well, that'd be a shame, though. You want to keep that one nice. It's very nice. Let's you know, say it's... I was in a pistol battle, and okay. I had two pistols. Okay. If you're in a pistol battle, and you have two pistols, do you keep the left pistol in the left hand and shoot wildly and indiscriminately with it? Or do you reserve the left pistol until the right pistol is out? Of ammunition, and then switch it over to the right hand, which can well, do the let job. Well, let me respond with a nursery, nursery rhyme that might be relevant here. Froggy went a courtin', mm-hmm. and he did ride, uh-huh. Froggy uh-huh. went a courtin', and he did ride, a sword uh-huh. and a pistol by his side. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just saying, maybe maybe one side's for sword. I think left side's for sword, right side for pistol. And then you get a frog uh, in the pocket somewhere. But you're, the thing is, here you are. Yeah. You're going a courtin'. Mm-hmm. You're a frog. Coming through the rye. You got a pistol. (laughs) Yep. Right? Yep. Frog and a frog coming through the rye. Yep. And uh, so here you are. You got your pistol. You pull the pistol out with your right hand. Pow, pow, pow until you're out of bullets. Throw the pistol down. Then grab the sword with the right hand. Because the... Oh, you cross over. The sword in the left hand is less than useless. Now, if you have a sword and you pull it out of the scabbard Mm -hmm. or the scabbard... Yeah. I think you do keep the scabbard in your left hand because you're sword you're sorting with your right hand, and oh, then and if somebody you get a defensive scabbard, right? If somebody swings at you, you can the left hand can at least put up the scabbard to block the block the. You could be like an ego Montoya and, and learn how, how to do both. Get 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 you a man who can do both, left and right. That's right, because you start out mm-hmm. and you're like, ching ching ching, I am a left-handed mm-hmm. sword, but, but I have I have a secret. Mm-hmm. That's right, and then. It is not my dominant hand, and now mm-hmm. you're in big trouble because I've been kicking your ass with my left hand. Mm. Unless you are Prince, uh, whatchamacallit. Yeah, the other guy. Who well, also was doing Well, so 
so maybe, you know, this is something for you to be aware of. I mean, obviously you need to be thinking about pies, but I mean, on the other hand, and of course, you know, the lady frog, but I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is a way for you to start thinking a little bit differently. Now, what about your eyes? Do your eyes differ? Oh yeah. I mean, but my eyes are falling apart, Merlin. Yeah. I always was worried about. Do, do, do you things... see differently? Do you have different? Are you differently afflicted? I don't want to be I'm... ableist, but do you do you see poorly differently with the two eyes? Yeah, if you're lying in bed in the middle of the night reading a book or anymore looking at your phone, do you squint? Do you close one eye? I take off. I I have um, no no. I, I'm okay mostly up close. I have a lot of trouble at a distance, but I do have different prescriptions in the two eyes. When I read, and this has been true my whole life, I close my left eye. Oh dear! And then let's well, go give you lines. Then I'll be I'll be aware of it, and I'll go what what oh shit! And I'll open both eyes, and I'll kind of move the book more into the center of my face. So and you I'll look like a, like a learned Popeye. Yeah. Yeah. Arr, <laughs> arr. Uh, yeah. Gives me my spinaches. Mm-hmm. But then gradually I will close the left eye and I'll move the book over to the right. And that's where that's how I read. So, oh, my gosh. And I feel like all the information out of the book is going into the left hemisphere of my brain only. And the right hemisphere is being reserved. For oh, see, OK, this changes everything. And then the hemisphere is also they control the opposite side. Yes. Right. So, so you're 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 a feet. Left hand is controlled by the right side of your brain. That's the creative. Mm. And then uh, on your other hemisphere, you got your uh, you got your ham-fisted gun hand. Yeah. So I got meat hand over here. Okay. And I'm reading with my right eye, uh, which I guess is the dominant eye. Uh-huh. And uh, and all that information is going into the left side of the brain and being analyzed, which right. is like useless for the most part. That's your rational, less creative side, according yeah. to science. And then the right-hand side of my brain is just sitting around some archduke's palace. It's starved. Trying, yeah, just like, uh, can I have another bowl of caviar? Yeah, what am I, so, Anastasia? Right, that's the only kind of food I know how to eat. Oh, my now, God. Anastasia's is... buried in a hole somewhere, I'm sorry to say. Well, you think that's really true? Yeah, and wasn't there talk of her maybe sneaking out? Sure, but that was just another one of these white Russian tricks. All these minor nobility ladies were like, "I'm Anastasia. You should give me more caviar. I will live with you for a while." Right. And it's like, no, you're just some, you know, you're some minor nobility, and and they they'd cut your caviar off after a certain point. But if you're like, "I'm Anastasia," oh, like no, you've, no, no. you've you've worn out your welcome. Yeah, they did that. They did that all the time. But the, but no, Anastasia with the, with the rest of them was you know killed by the killed by the Reds. Night before last, I had a dream, and it was kind of one of those stress dreams, like you know you didn't study for the test, naked in class, where I was suddenly called upon to DJ a wedding reception, hmm. and there's a very confused confusing computer. That and is very stressful. There's a confusing uh, computer, and uh, the the mixer wasn't really working, mm-hmm. and I had to co DJ the wedding reception with a two foot tall Frank Sinatra. Now wait a minute, you've been you've done this before because everything you're saying is creating a lot of anxiety in me. Yeah. The, so, the mixer so, doesn't so there's, work. There's the... a two-foot-tall scale Frank Sinatra who's kind of mad that, that we have to do this together. And he's very, he used to work with a guy named Carlos. And Carlos understood how this whole system worked. I was not doing well. I, was, I, I couldn't get the crossfader to work. And so, and so Frank Sinatra said, Carlos never minded the fader. Oh, Carlos never minded the fader. So I wrote that down. Two-foot-tall Frank Sinatra. What a horrible size for Frank Sinatra. Think about it. Well, imagine a two-foot-tall uh, Frank Sinatra yelling at, at uh, Mario Puzo in a restaurant. Oh, my gosh. Right? Would he stand on a chair, John? It, would, it changes the whole vibe of that scene, right? 
Like he's yelling at Mario Puzo because he thinks that he is uh he thinks he's the character in The Godfather. Oh, he's Johnny Fontaine. He thinks he's Johnny Fontaine. Oh. And uh, so he meets Mario Puzo in a restaurant somewhere, I have to assume, in, in uh, Staten Island. or no, New let's Jersey. Probably New Trent. Jersey. It's Trenton, right? Yeah. They're in a restaurant. Mario Puzo walks into a spaghetti restaurant in Trenton, New Jersey. Frank Sinatra comes over and starts screaming at him. And this was the era when Frank Sinatra could scream at a guy in a restaurant. And the restaurant owner would be like, it's a fucking honor. It's an honor to have hey, they, Frank They'd bring him a glass of water so he didn't hurt his yeah. pipes. Screaming at a guy. Screaming at Mario Puzo. Uh, because, the, you know, the mob made, uh, made them take the words Cosa Nostra and Mafia out of that movie. That's right. And so he's screaming at him because he's like, I don't, you know, Johnny Fontaine, fuck you. I never did any of that stuff. And uh, Puzo is probably both saying, like, you're kind of proving the point right here with your weird uh, mafia tantrum. Mm -hmm. But also, Puzo says uh, over and over, that's not, you're not Johnny Fontaine. Mm -hmm. I, well, it's not you. You're, mm. you're sure freaking out about sure nothing. reads like that, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. But, but it wasn't you. I, I, was, I was saying that it was, uh, you know, it was who? Uh, Guy Fieri or oh, sure. some, some other... Uh, uh, John, uh, Jackie Diamond or... It was uh, Jackie Diamond. Mac yeah. the Knife, yeah. Uh, it's and, a, I think uh, it's a Romana Clay, as they say. I, I'm pretty sure that's that's supposed to be Frank Sinatra, and I think yeah, specifically from Here to Eternity was the movie that where was, they have intercourse right. in the tides. Now wait a minute, I thought it was well, that wasn't Frank Sinatra. No, that, that was was that, was that Montgomery Clift. No, I think it was uh, it was uh, oh Bert Bob, Lancaster, Bert Lancaster, and uh, is it Deborah Carr? Uh, you're just outside. She of was my, beautiful. She was yeah. young. She was innocent. She was the greatest piece of ass I ever had, and I had them all over the world. See, I thought it was the man with the golden hand. Oh, the man with the golden arm. The golden arm. Golden that's arm. Uh, when uh, I think that's when uh, Frank Sinatra was chasing the dragon. Uh, he was chasing the dragon, and I thought that was the movie that that made him. Oh, that was his like his serious movie. And then he did those concept albums. He he did like uh, in his 60s, well, He retired for a while, and then he came back. And he did, uh, you know, the summer years and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he yeah, did right. the because uh, he wasn't a teeny bopper anymore. Now he's a serious artist. That's right. That's right. And he he got a better piece. He stopped wearing the hat as much. But I'm starting to I'm starting to think if he was two feet tall through all of that. Yeah. Right. Think about think about the think about the meat hand on that guy. Oh, that's a good point. I'm from now on when I think about that scene of him yelling at Mario Puzo. Yeah. I'm going to imagine him being two foot tall, and the entire thing is going to it's. It completely symbolic of another. We're talking about. Let's be clear now. We're talking else. about like maybe like definitely smaller than Kenny Baker, probably smaller than the mini me guy. Uh, I think his name is Vern Troyer. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a very small Frank Sinatra, and he had but, a hat and a suit. But and you he said he was to scale. Yeah, but see that I'm saying he's proportional. I'm saying yeah, he wasn't. Right. He was proportional. He was like he was like if somebody he was like uh, you know you get like a three quarter sized uh, cello or something. In this case, it was basically like a one third scale model of Frank Sinatra who didn't so like he how was, he, he was know. not a little person. Oh no he no was, he, that, that that's what was disturbing. Right, he was a magical creature, some somewhat like a hobbit or well, he was a wedding DJ. Yeah, and and uh, and he 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 missed Carlos. I, I'm not sure why Carlos couldn't make it. What does Carlos represent? Um. Carlos knew how the fader works. See, I was, you, ever, you ever work on like a Radio Shack? You ever, like, you ever get a cr really crappy mixer and you get that noise in the pots and everything? Like, of course I have. And also or I didn't show, know how to work the computer. So I didn't show know, up I didn't to know a how DJ to... gig and the, uh, and the cassettes, the, um, I'm talking about the needles. Yeah. The little cartridges. Yes. The cartridges are completely trashed and worn out. And the, and the wedding uh, people or the people that hired you to be a DJ 
uh, look at you and they say, you didn't bring your own cartridges? Oh, also, I forgot to mention, all the music uh, was New Order and American Standards. I don't remember what his preference was. I would guess for the standards. I want to go to this wedding. Every time I see you falling, I get down on my knees and pray. <laughs> and pray. I want to go to a wedding that you're the wedding DJ at. I, it never oh, occurred man. to me to hire you to do that job. Oh my God, thank you, man. After, after, after disappointing Frank Sinatra, I feel like I could really use the goose. No, no, no. I, you know, you would DJ so well. Yeah. I, I, would, you know what there'd I'd be a I'd lot read, of teenage fans. I'd really read the room. And you'd be like, everybody's dancing. Now I'm going to slow it down a little bit. Now I'm going to do the featured dance, the mm-hmm. bride and her, and her stepfather. Yeah. Because her, because her father left uh, early in her life. Yeah. And her stepfather was the one that really, you know, got her into swimming. He really stepped up to the plate. that's why she's in the Olympics. He didn't have to, he didn't have to do that, but, but he did. He stepped up to the plate. He you would know, drive her to swim practice. Over and over. The and they, summer wind. And, you know, and then her father, her fucking deadbeat father, shows fucking, up at the wedding. He thinks he can just show up. He thinks after years of phoning it in, he can show up and act like nothing's changed. But her stepfather yeah. has, has the grace to, you know, to not be jealous of this. And the daughter loves her father, <sighs> even though he's a deadbeat. She'll always, she'll always love him. Yeah, and so she wants to dance with him too in the father daughter dance, and so the stepfather the father walks out, taps the stepfather on the shoulder, and the stepfather gracefully bows out. Oh my God, I love that and, guy! And, and then the father and daughter, you know, go like conclude the dance. How does it feel? <laughs> And, <laughs> and everybody is so, everybody's so fucking touched yeah. by that. But but the thing is, even though I'm playing mostly American standards and New Order, I, I'm I'll, I'll play the Macarena. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'll, if, if it's on the computer, I just the who fade, let the, fade. the dogs out? <laughs> now, what's a hot wedding song now? Is it? I mean, because you know, there's always novelty belt? songs at dances. Right. For like, you know, at the reception, there's novelty songs. For a long time, it was uh, Achy Breaky Heart because you had to come out and do the boot scoot. The boot scootin'. Right. I think Macarena was around for a long time. Are we in a period right now where there are no universal novelty songs? Well, here's the thing. This is an excellent point and possibly a career changer for you because number one, you got to Bambalea. Oh, I bet Hey Ya. Hey Ya might be a big one. But that's already, that's what? That's... 13 years old, still a terrific song. Here's what I'm saying. First of all, you got that bullshit like, I hope you dance. No, sh- shut it off. Shut that stuff off. But we do need a new catchy novelty wedding song. Yes. Something that's like, <laughs> uh, uh, what about uh, what about that cover of Mac the Knife? Uh, Bobby Darren? No, who was the who was the guy from the New York Dolls that had a career in the eighties? Oh, 80s? David Johansson. David Johansson, and didn't he do some good covers of like classics? I think he did. I think he kicked off that whole trend of people who were in the the September of their years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had you got your Rod Stewart's, Rod's Stewart. Yep. Uh, you've got your you know, all the aging folks come out and they start doing American standards. That's but, right. But how many of them have ever done an entire album of New Order covers? Is my question. Wouldn't you, the, Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love that? What I want to see is John Bon Jovi <laughs> do a do a standard of uh, just a whole record of like New Order covers with a big band, <laughs> just like with a fucking big band. Oh, it was uh, it was Buster Poindexter and his yes. hit song "Hot Hot 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 Hot." Also, hot, also hot hot hot, hot 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 hot. He was also David Johansson. David Johansson. David Buster Johansson. Poindexter. 
Yep. Uh, on the who way I often confuse with Tim Curry. Mm, yeah. Okay. They look the same because they were both uh, they both cross dressed. Yeah, but Tim Curry never had a late '80s or a mid '80s like hit. Like right? all English actors, I think he'll take the work he can get. He was the clown in the sewer in it. Yeah. Oh, Have you ever seen right. the clown in the sewer? Sure, the clown in the sewer. I know. I know. Yeah. I. Mm. It's serious. This has been so useful for me. I'm learning so much. And for you, I feel like, God, John, the world is opening. It's like an oyster just opening to you right now. You've got so many options. Mm. you you got a frog in your pocket. You can think about what kind of weapon you want. You have to think about what you're going to do with that ham fist. And an entire (laughs) career awaits you doing like a novelty rap song for weddings. Maggie, I wish I'd... Uh, so you're saying you take it, you turn it. Never you go, seen your face. You do an album of like some faces and some Rod Stewart covers. Gonna steal my daddy's cue and make a living out of playing pool. Pop. You think? You think? Is that wedding song material? You could do that all with uh, with MIDI. You could MIDI all of that. The problem is that that song is about a young guy having an affair with an older woman. And I, that is not a song that anybody once played at their wedding, even if it in. Even if it's applicable, oh, right. Like even if it is, a, I don't know. A, a People September can be pretty, wedding. pretty tone deaf to what the song is actually about. You know. Well, yeah. People hey, did you ever finish your? Uh, did you ever do the Dave Eggers thing? Did you ever do that? Oh, I'm still working on that. Still working on. How's your song coming? Oh, it's so good. Is it? Is it super American? You want to know what's so weird about it? Mm-hmm. I wrote the lyrics on my phone, which I almost never have done, and. And I didn't then, excuse me, did not transcribe them out to a pad. Hmm. And traditionally, when I'm rehearsing a song, I have a pad with the lyrics on it, and I put the pad on the floor or somewhere. You can scribble, you can can circle, you can Hmm. do all that kind of stuff. I sit with the guitar, and I run through the song, and then I cross something out, and I put it. But I haven't done that yet with this. The song only exists on my phone, and so I'll play a verse, and then I have to stop and scroll (laughs) <laughs> and play the next verse and then stop and scroll. And I have yet to really get a vibe on the tune. I've never played it all the way through. Wow. And I've been working on this song for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. And I've never actually played the song all the way through. And I keep saying to myself, when, I'm not, when, I'm not, when I don't have a guitar, I'm walking around in the day and I go, why the fuck haven't I finished that song? Oh, I need to write those lyrics out on a pad. But then I just stop. I keep forgetting to do it. And I don't know why it's so, it seems so simple. Get a pad. Of which yeah, I but you're, it could be your brain telling you something. Maybe you know. It sounds like last time we talked about this. It sounds. I feel like I was hearing you say you were a little ambivalent because, first of all, it could be taken to be a jingoistic anthem, mm-hmm. but but also that maybe you were starting to kind of like it as a song. Uh, you like singing it. You like singing the uh, the histrionics, right? Herp a derp mm-hmm. a little bit. You know what I you know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean when I say I do, herp- I, I do, I do. Too well. I, I I feel a little bit like over the years, I have done several rock and roll tunes. And particularly rock and roll covers, right? I have almost an entire album of covers waiting in the wings. My uh you know, my rock and roll they might be giants cover. I did a rock and roll cover of uh, some like uh, a tune by Nico. I've done a, I've done quite a few rock and roll covers, and every time I have presented them to my record label, and admittedly a record label that is generally opposed to rock and roll, hmm. 
But they have responded with uh, sort of a meh. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit worried that all these rock and roll tunes that I think are great, like the rock and roll version of Ultimatum on my award-winning album, my, uh, my phony award-winning album, mm -hmm. Putting the Days Together. That's a, that's, a, that's a good version of that. Well, but I get a lot of email. I get a lot of letters from people saying, why did you remake that song? It was fine already as it was. Hmm. And I was like, I remade it because I wrote it and I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. And people don't accept that, Mark. Mm -hmm. So I'm beginning to feel like maybe I have like a maybe I have a little bit of a deficit in knowing and understanding what people want and whether or not they want rock music from me. <sighs> Let's listen to the hands. The hands will tell you. But the meat hand and the and the Russian hand are telling me different things. That's that's the nature of the hands. They're 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 both trying to tell you something. And you, as the master of the hemispheres, have to figure out how to uh, square that circle. Listen to the pan. Listen to the pan. <laughs> Touch the pan. <laughs> what is the pan telling you? No pan. Only English people can fly. <laughs> Woo, that's one for the books. <laughs> <laughs>